Welcome to a special edition of Real Christianity. I'm your host, Dale Partridge, and over the past several months, I've had the privilege of interviewing 12 of the top theologians of our time. We discuss everything from apologetics and church history to the biblical family and standing firm on sound doctrine. The objective of this series was to strengthen the theology of listeners and give them the tools they need to boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. So listen up, focus in, and prepare your mind for volume one of the Theologian series. In this episode of the Theologian series, I interviewed Dr. Stephen Lawson of One Passion Ministries about the importance of expository preaching. Dr. Lawson is the professor of preaching at the Doctor of Ministry program at the Master Seminary, and he's the author of nearly 40 different books. Dr. Lawson was my professor in my Mechanics of Expository Preaching class and has become a friend over the past year. If you haven't listened to him preach before, you are missing out. Not only is he engaging, passionate, and wise, but he's also extremely well-versed in doctrine and theology. He believes that you cannot have a healthy church without an expository preacher. Today, you are going to learn why, as Dr. Lawson and I define and discuss why Christians should place themselves and their families under pastors who skip the showmanship and instead shine the light on Scripture alone. So grab your Bible and sharpen your pencil, because it's time to tune into another powerful episode of the Theologian Series. Hey, Dr. Lawson, welcome to the Theologian Series. Excited to have you here with us. Thank you. It's great to be with you, Dale. Uh, earlier, I guess it was last year, I had the privilege of spending about 15 hours with you over a five-day period at the Master's Seminary. I got to learn so much about expository preaching. It was a great privilege to learn the fundamentals and the mechanics uh, of that. You're actually now my professor here for my second preaching class. Uh, but sadly, my experience tells me that many Christians don't really understand uh, three things. Uh, one, they don't understand what expository preaching is. And, and number two is, uh, why is expos- expository preaching important? And, you know, why we would place ourselves and our families under a pastor who is an expository preacher. And then lastly, uh, you know, would probably be, how should we as Christians tell the difference between these infotainment pastors that are so popular today and an expository preacher. So that's going to be the majority of the discussion that we have today. Uh, And I'm going to walk through just a handful of questions, and then let's dive in. I'm just so excited about this, and this will be, you know, just for you that are listeners here, this will be just a bantering back and forth discussion, but I'm going to let you do most of the talking, Dr. Lawson. So let's open up with number one. Just offer us, the average churchgoer, a basic definition of expository preaching. Sure. Expository preaching is just very simply biblical preaching, that everything that the preacher has to say originates in the Word of God, such that he simply is the mouthpiece for the text of Scripture, Um, expository preaching does three things. Number one, you read the passage. Number two, you interpret or explain the passage. And number three, you show the relevance of the passage and apply it to the life of the listener. And that really comes from 1 Timothy 4, verse 13. Paul says, until I come, give attention, number one, to the public reading of Scripture, 
to exhortation, and to teaching. So those are the essential elements of expository preaching. A lot of men will quote scripture, uh, use it as kind of a talking point uh, to say what they really want to say, uh, almost like using it as a trampoline or a diving board to launch them into what's already on their mind. They're just looking for a verse that will be a bridge for them to the listener. Uh, expository preaching actually starts with the text of Scripture, that the preacher has nothing to say apart from the Word of God, that he's under the authority of Scripture, and he simply opens up the Scripture and explains what does this mean by what it says, and how should this be lived. And he does it in such a way that word exhortation, from the verse I just quoted, really carries, uh, it, it's a very multifaceted word, everything from persuading to encouraging to comforting to challenging to rebuking to reproving. It, all of those elements are involved in that word exhortation. And that's where preaching goes beyond teaching. Uh, preaching should start with teaching, where you are teaching what does this passage uh, mean by what it says. But preaching then goes further. And, and preaching really is intended to, to lift up, fire up uh, the listener to move them intentionally uh, in a direction. Uh, not to manipulate, but to motivate and to move them into the path of God's will for their, their life. So the preacher is a persuader, and that, that's an important element in expository preaching. Um, go, go ahead and ask a question, Dale, but I can, I can keep going. Yeah, no, this is good. I, I hear that in terms of persuasion, imploring, passionate discussion with your, con- or with your congregation. And, and my thought is this idea of expository preaching is really extracting the meaning out of the scriptures instead of putting myself into the narrative of the scriptures, right? This is, I guess, the idea between uh, exegesis and eisegesis, right? We're extracting the meaning out of the text instead of putting ourselves inside the, ch- the, the text, which is so common for the church today. Yeah, eisegesis is reading into the text um, what you want to read into the text. It's not in the text, but you're supplying it into the text. That's eisegesis. Exegesis uh, is to pull out of, that prefix ex, E-X, means out of, is to pull out of a text what's in the text. And that involves a lot of things, Dale. Um, That involves things like grammar and syntax. Uh, That involves knowing subject, verb, object, uh, verb tenses, uh, word studies, Um, historical background, uh, cultural patterns, uh, geographical setting. Um, It it involves all of those things. As as you are walking around in this passage of Scripture, uh, the details of what's in this passage are vitally important in exegesis. Um, It involves looking at what modifies what, uh, so that you, you actually know what you're talking about. 
Then the next step is what we call hermeneutics, which is the science of interpretation. Exegesis really deals with all of the details of the text. And, and some preachers see more in the passage than others because some pastors and preachers are just hydroplaning over the passage. They're not going down deep into it like a deep sea diver. They're just snorkeling on the, on the surface. Um, you've got to go down into the text and spend time in the text. Uh, I remember when I was in seminary, the first assignment I was given was Acts 1.8, and I was to write out 40 observations from that one verse. And it was designed to teach me to look for the details in the text, and then syntax is the relationship of words within a, a passage. So I think you can see that exegesis is really diving into the details of the text and bringing them up to the surface and seeing uh, the relationship of words in a sentence and the progression of thought from one sentence or one verse to the next to the next. Hermeneutics, uh, go ahead. Yeah, I'd say, I mean, this is what I think about this. Dr. Lawson is at a school. They teach you how to block diagram. They teach you how to line diagram in the original languages. And this was so unfamiliar to me, uh, to my years, my prior years in seminary. The idea of looking at the text and instead of creating an outline based based off of, you know, my uh, personal emotional observations... Um, you know, you want to look at the text as these expository preachers do by extracting the outline that already exists in the text through uh, block diagramming. And this is so critical or line diagramming. And for the past uh, several years, I've been preaching um, in this practice of expository preaching. And the one thing that I've noticed instead of, you know, somebody coming up to me saying, Dale, wow, that was a great sermon. Uh, instead, the, the better reaction, the thing that makes me so uh, humble and fruitful and just go praise the Lord is, Dale, thank you now that I understand John chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. I now understand what these passages mean. And I think that's the big difference between a topical-focused um, infotainment preacher and an expository preacher is that people walk away knowing what the biblical text says. And that's the goal, right? Absolutely. And it's a fundamental commitment that we have that God put the power into the Word. It's it's not the personality of the preacher. It's not the pizzazz of the preacher. It's not his illustrations and entertainment value. The, The Scripture itself is king. Uh, That's where the power is. Uh, The last sermon that Martin Luther ever preached, 1546 at Eisleben, he he realized that those in the congregation were still wanting to go on pilgrimages to look at relics. And they thought if if they could just see this relic or this or that, that there's some kind of mystical power in that. And Luther comes to a dramatic point in the sermon and says, You're looking for the power in all the wrong places. God put the power in the scripture. Well, the preacher needs to understand that. 
the power is not in the preacher. Uh, he's a weak vessel. The power is in the word of God. So we're just a middle man, if you will. Uh, J.I. Packer says that expository preaching is simply letting text talk. We have nothing to say apart from the Word of God. Yet there's too many preachers who are just gabbing. Uh, they're, they're just up there talking. And unfortunately, they have the gift of gab and could talk your ears off. Uh, no, we need men who actually know the Bible and who actually teach the Bible and explain the Bible and then apply the Bible and then motivate with the Bible. That is... Uh, what expository preaching is. We, we don't want the listener to be dependent upon us. We want them to be dependent upon God and to be dependent upon the Word of God. So that all starts with exegesis, and then you have to be able to interpret what it is you have discovered in this passage, and that's hermeneutics, the science of interpretation. And you need to know the basic laws of, of interpretation, or you can make the Bible be like the proverbial wax nose and twist it to say whatever it is you want it to say. And there's plenty of preachers. I would say even most preachers can make the Bible say whatever they want it to say. And, and there, there are no guardrails on, on the side of the road uh, to keep them in the narrow path of the true meaning of Scripture. The other thing you do, and it's worth noting, Dale, is you're always trying to find the theology or the doctrine in a passage of Scripture. Mark Lloyd-Jones, uh, in his famous lectures on preaching and preachers, said that what is preaching? It is theology on fire. And, and so every passage, we're doing more than just giving historical background and doing word studies and cross-references. That's important, but that's only a means to a far greater end. What is the doctrine of God in this passage? What is the doctrine of Christ or of the Holy Spirit or of Satan or of man or of sin or of salvation or the church or the last things? What is the, the rock-solid doctrine that's in this passage? And the word doctrine simply means teaching. And so you have to know systematic theology. You have to be a systematic theologian in order to be an expositor, or you're like driving a car with no brakes down a path with no guardrails. Uh, you're, you're easily going to stray outside the bounds of what the entire rest of the Bible has to say. So that's why you have to know systematic theology that gathers together the entirety of theology for the whole Bible. Yeah, so you're basically going in on uh, the text, the, the verse, the paragraph— but then you're you're zooming out to look at how does this doctrine connect with the rest of the biblical uh, doctrine on this particular matter or or systematically throughout scripture right and then you know again you're zooming in again and this is this this process of zooming out and then zooming in and if you don't know either side of those i mean you could again fall into that lacking a guardrail area, right? You can kind of fall into a, a, a trap or fall on either side of the road. 
And you know, your your words as a preacher have eternal ramifications. And I think about this, Dr. Lawson, and this is what's so frustrating to me, is that we would never allow someone without training in the medical field to work on our surgery. We would never allow an attorney who's never passed the bar or been trained to represent us in court, especially on life matters. Yet we have, um, you know, so many people in the pulpit who have an affinity for scripture and they're, they're, you know, maybe the most mature person in their friend group. So they decide to just start leading a Bible study or planting a church or pastoring a church. Yet they actually, they're standing up there handling the most important matters of life without any extensive, exhaustive training, without comprehension of, you know, biblical theology and systematic theology, uh, hermeneutics and exegesis, and without a comprehension of the gravity of what they're doing. Exactly. I'd put it this way, Dale. Rather than this verse being used to interpret the rest of the Bible, it's the other way around. It's actually the entire rest of the Bible is to be the interpretive guide to understand what does this one verse have to say, because the Bible never contradicts itself anywhere. And involved in laws of interpretation, you have to know different genres. Is this narrative? I mean, you can make narrative say lots of things. Uh, I mean, is it a foot-washing church? I mean, do you cast lots to determine who your next pastor is? Uh, I mean, Judas went out and hung himself. I mean, do you, is that the exhortation? I mean, you can make narrative say all kinds of things. And so you, you, you have to be mindful. Is this narrative? Is this law? Is this Hebrew poetry? Is this a parable? Is this an allegory? Uh, is this an epistle? Is this prophecy? And, and each one of those genres has certain distinctive uh, characteristics about it. Uh, for example, in Proverbs, those are just obs- general observations. Those are not promises. Those are general observations. For example, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Is that a promise? Or is that a general observation for which there are exceptions? Well, if you tell people that's a promise, you're going to put people on a guilt trip because there are Christian parents who have children who who go astray. And so it's only big picture for the most part. Children raised in a Christian home have a Christian influence brought to bear upon their life. But there are uh, exceptions to that. And so these are unique to the different genres. And this is just one example, Dale. And so to stand up in front of a group of people with an open Bible, that is probably the most important responsibility on planet Earth because you now have become the spokesman for God. And I see so many pastors that have done this and they, they've walked into the pulpit, they've walked into the ministry without some sort of formal training And I know there's a lot of people that'll say, oh, well, hey, there's no seminary in the scripture. And I go, well, hey, remember that, you know, Jesus didn't send off the disciples after year one. It was three years of 24-7 discipleship before he sends them off. And why? Well, this leads us to, again, I think a really important question, which I will ask you is, how important is it for Christians to find churches and find pastors and shepherds to place themselves and their families under um, the the under under men who are trained expository oh, preachers. It, it is critically important 
because the pulpit is the primary means of grace that comes into a person's life. There are other means of grace, uh, uh, a small group Bible study, Christian fellowship, but the primary, and I underscore the word primary, means of grace, that means like pipes through which grace is flowing into a person's life, saving grace, sanctifying grace, strengthening grace. Um, where, what are these pipes that the grace of God will flow into a person's life? Well, obviously, reading the Bible would be one. Uh, prayer would be one. But the primary means of grace, as God intended it, is the preaching of the Word of God. Just read the Old Testament and see the role that the prophets played. Just read the four Gospels and see the role that John the Baptist, a voice in the wilderness, played. Uh, Jesus Christ came into Galilee preaching repentance for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He trained 12 men to be preachers, and he commissioned them to go to the nations to preach repentance for the forgiveness of sin. The book of Acts, one out of every four verses is a sermon or the equivalent of a sermon. Uh, the book of Acts really is mistitled, I think. It should be called the, the preaching of the apostles, the sermons of the apostles, not the acts of the apostles. Uh, the book of Hebrews is one sermon. It's a word of exhortation. Uh, the pastoral epistles, 1st, 2nd Timothy and Titus, the emphasis is upon the preaching of the word of God. You, you just cannot pick up a Bible and come up with another conclusion that something is of greater importance to my spiritual life than being under the preaching of the Word of God. Even God himself preached to Moses in Exodus 33 and 34. And so that should be kind of a wake-up call for people, uh, that they should find a church where they could sit under sound biblical preaching uh, because it's going to affect who I, who I believe God is. It's going to affect my walk with Christ. It's going to affect my pursuit of holiness. It's going to affect me being equipped to do ministry. It's going to affect how I lead my family. It's going to affect how I worship, uh, how I witness and, and et cetera, et cetera. So what I just walked through is of um, extreme importance in everyone's Christian life. Would you go to a restaurant that didn't serve you food and, and then give them your money on top of it and, and say thank you at the front door as you leave, but you were never fed? Or worse, you were fed toxic food that is very harmful to your body. By way of illustration, that's what's going on in churches right now, is people are sitting under toxic preaching that is man-centered, it has no sound doctrine, and it's really an infomercial on the pastor himself, and so that church is having to live its Christian life vicariously through the life of the pa pastor. His illustrations his homespun insights, rather than for them to hear, thus says the Lord. So th th 
you, your question is, how important is it to get your family into a church under the sound preaching of the Word of God? You could not overstate the importance of that. Your entire Christian life is, is affected and influenced by that. We have so many people in the church today that are making the decision on which church they're going to attend based off of their preferential needs. They're, you know, oh, I, I want a really good children's ministry. Oh, I really want good worship music. Oh, I really want it to be close to my house. And these things, in my experience, I, you know, I'm assuming yours as well are, you know, they're, they're number five, six, seven on the list. Uh, they should be kind of way down there in comparison to the fact that if you can find a church, I don't care if it's filled with people that might not have a natural affinity with you. Uh, there's so many things that get in the way of going, but your primary your your primary objective in church hunting uh, is finding a place that is going to feed you, guide you, protect you. Uh, there, there's a preacher who's expositing the word of God. And I, I just find that it's so critical, and so many people still go to these big, flashy, you know, maybe coffee shop, you know, concert-driven churches that are um, lacking this. <laughs> yeah, it's like picking out a restaurant because it had a good sign out on the curb. It's like, no, 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 I'm not eating the sign. I, I, I need a meal inside. The, the, the acid test is, are you feeding my soul? What those children need more than anything else is a father who's on fire for God. And they, those children need for their family to be in a church where their father is being fed the word of God and it's electrifying his soul. They need a mother who is a prayer warrior and who's walking with God and, and who loves their children. The, the way to... Uh, experience that is to be under strong biblical preaching. That there's, there's no substitute for it whatsoever. Yeah, th yeah, this is critical. And as we get closer to the end of our interview, uh, of which we could talk for hours on this topic, is for those that are new to expository preaching and maybe are stuck in listening to podcasts and listening to sermons from preachers that are very popular in the megachurch world, and they're looking for some good examples uh, of what expository preaching is, um, you know, who is who is known for expository preaching, right? O obviously, Dr. Lawson, you are known for that, and I would say that this is your flag that you've been carrying in a big way, uh, along with several other men like Dr. MacArthur. Uh, can you give us some pastors and some classic books that'll better help us understand expository preaching and those who have done it well? Yeah, certainly. Um, I'm going to put at the head of the list John MacArthur. Um, I think he is the greatest expositor in our generation. Um, you would do well to listen to the preaching of John MacArthur, to read the preaching of John MacArthur. Uh, you will learn more Bible by listening to this man, I think, than anyone else. Uh, I think some other examples... Uh, a man who went to be with the Lord near 2000, James Montgomery Boyce. He was a champion uh, for God. He was at 10th Presbyterian Philadelphia, which might sound a little stuffy. Uh, he was so gifted, and he was a theologian par excellence, and he was text-driven in the Bible. 
and he knew how to apply it to people's lives, and he knew how to uh, call them to examine themselves. Um, I think R.C. Sproul uh, has been a great example to us of expository preaching, totally different style. He was one of my professors in seminary. Um, men like uh, Alistair Begg is a very gifted Bible preacher. Uh, men like Sinclair Ferguson and Derek Thomas. Um, I, I think those men are the best of the best of the best. Um, two of those men have gone to be with the Lord, but we live in a day in which everything they preached is, uh, rec was recorded and is accessible to us. Um, it, you know, in the Baptist world, I, I was called into the ministry under the preaching of Adrian Rogers. And while my theology is a little uh, different, nevertheless, he was a gospel preacher. He was a Bible preacher, uh, especially in his younger years. And, and I would highly uh, recommend him. So, Dale, that's a great question. And, and I think that uh, listening to the best expository preaching it will be good for your soul and it will help you identify in your neighborhood or in your area who is modeling this. You, you may not have the same um, giftedness intellectually or with the voice or whatever, but nevertheless, there will be men somewhere, hopefully close to where you live, who are at least on the same path and on the same track, and they're, they're faithful to the Lord. Now, as far as books about preaching, my all-time favorite is by Martin Lloyd-Jones, who really is the one man, I think, that has most brought expository preaching back to um, the evangelical world. Uh, what he did in the 1950s, the end of the 1940s, and the beginning of the 1960s. Um, but he came to Westminster Seminary in Philadelphia, and he gave a series of lectures on preaching that have become now the content for the book, Preaching and Preachers. Every time I read that book, I think this man knows exactly what preaching is. The other thing that I would say is there is a lot to be said for reading expository preaching, because I think it's more caught than it is taught. And to read expository preaching, you actually see what that looks like in print. And the Prince of Preachers is a man named Charles Haddon Spurgeon, who was in London, and he pastored the largest Protestant church in the world at that time. And I think he is the most gifted preacher of the English language, maybe of any language, since the days of the Apostles. I learned a lot about expository preaching simply by reading his sermons. And my mother-in-law gave me, over a period of time, I think it's his 63-volume set of expository sermons. I have devoured those. I've learned what an introduction is, what an outline looks like, uh, where to put a cross-reference, what a conclusion looks like, how to bring the gospel home to someone's heart, how to exhort, how to encourage. But by reading his sermons and how to use figures of speech and paint pictures uh, in people's minds like the psalmist did, um, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, I would encourage anyone to read his sermons and you will be well introduced 
to expository preaching. He also lectured his students on every Friday afternoon. He, when he was like 22 or 23 years old, he started a what's called the pastor's college, though he had never gone to a pastor's college. So many young preachers were just gathered around him that he gave birth to what we would call today a seminary. And every Friday afternoon, he would come in and lecture on preaching. And they're, they're bound together in this book, Lectures to My Students. And he talks a lot about preaching and ministry in that book. I, I would highly recommend that book as well. I, I, I have written a book called The Expository Genius of John Calvin, in which I identified 34 distinguishing marks about the expository preaching of John Calvin. There are pastors I know who have Xeroxed the table of contents and scotch taped it to the inside of their Bible uh, as, as really kind of a, 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 a testing point for their sermons. Uh, to meet these 34 distinguishing marks that are just drawn from John Calvin's preaching. So that's another recommendation that I would make as well. And again, I just want to affirm this list of men. I mean, especially uh, Dr. MacArthur, uh, you know, now having gone to the seminary that he uh, founded, where, where, you know, again, Dr. Lawson, you're a professor there, and you're also running the Doctor of Ministry program there. Um, this school, I, I've been uh, in another seminary, and so I transferred in, but I can't say better things about the Master's Seminary because it teaches you, um, it, it actually made me trust John MacArthur's preaching even more because you get to see this detailed preparation work for a sermon, the reverence that comes with approaching the pulpit. And, and it's so critical that you need to find this in the church that you attend, whether it's a small house church, whether it's a uh, biblical, traditional church. You just need to understand what expository preaching is. And this is something uh, that you will be, as a Christian, doing for the, the rest of your life, is sitting under the regular preaching of God's Word. Um, you're going to be fed those truths from God word, God's word, and you better learn how to how to do it. You better learn what expository preaching is, how it's done properly, and where you need to be as a believer. And so, Doctor Lawson, you have lots of resources. I've read several of your books on preaching, as well as other topics that you've written on. Uh, on John chapter three, you have a fantastic book that's a sermon as well. It's called New Life in Christ. Give us a few of your books where we could find your ministry online so that maybe people can find you and support what you're doing. Yeah, no, thank you, Dale. Um, They can go to our website, onepassionministries.org, and there's a listing of most of my books. My most recent book uh, is Show Me Your Glory, which is a study of the attributes of God. I've had people tell me that's the best book that I've written, and I said, well, let's only because it's the best subject there is. It's, it's all about who is God and what is God like. Um, I have written a, a series of, of, of smaller biographies of great men in church history. Martin Luther, John Calvin, Jonathan Edwards, George Whitfield, William Tyndale, uh, Charles Spurgeon, Martin Lloyd-Jones. I just turned in John Wycliffe. Um, those are resources that are, I think, very, not only insightful into these great men, but also motivational 
Uh, they're inspiring. They, they make you want to live for the glory of God. Um, I think the most important book that I've written is called Foundations of Grace, where I go from Genesis to Revelation. It's about a 600-page book, and I address virtually every verse in the entire Bible on the subject of the sovereignty of God and salvation. And I address them book by book by book. What did Moses have to say? What did Joshua have to say? Until I end up with John on the island of Patmos. Um, I wrote a book called Pillars of Grace, which continues that story from the first century to the 16th century. The 22 leading figures in church history uh, on the doctrines of grace, the sovereignty of God and salvation. These, are, these men need to be your heroes. The, the, these, you need to be naming your children after these men. Uh, you, you need to be discipled by these men. And um, so I would mention that book as well. Um, there, there, there are too many others to mention. I think I've written like 31 books. Um, so, but I would draw those to the, to the attention of our listeners. Um, there, there's a little book that you even wrote that I had to read for one of the classes that's actually been quite a blessing for me. Um, and, you know, it, it, I, I love long books, but if you really love short books, just because I'm a seminary student, which means that I don't get to read much uh, what I want to read, uh, I'm reading everything uh, that I'm told to read. But the book, The Kind of Preaching God Blesses, it's just a little hardcover book that's about the size of your hand. Uh, and if you're in ministry and you're a pastor or you just want to learn a basic understanding of expository preaching, uh, it's a great place to start to get your feet wet without getting overwhelmed uh, with understanding the topic. It's a walk through the, what Martin Lloyd-Jones called the signature text in the Bible on biblical preaching, 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 9. And I just walk through it verse by verse and let the text talk. Uh, let that passage talk to us about what the Apostle Paul understood preaching to be. And so that's an interesting little book. It, it is a small book, but it packs a, a major punch. Amen, amen. We're going to get ready to close here, uh, Dr. Lawson. Again, onepassionministries.org is a great place for you to follow Dr. Lawson and his ministry and support him in that way. I'm going to close with a Martin Lloyd-Jones quote. You actually referenced it, Dr. Lawson. It says, what is preaching? Logic on fire. Preaching is theology coming through a man who is on fire. A true understanding and experience of the truth must lead to this. I say again that a man who can speak about these things dispassionately has no right whatsoever to be in a pulpit and should never be allowed to enter one, end quote. Amen. Amen. That, that stirs my heart, Dale, just to hear you read that. So guys, amen. It's just an amazing quote. So thank you for being with us, Dr. Lawson, and joining us for this episode of the Theologian Series on the Real Christianity Podcast. Thank you for listening to this special edition of Real Christianity. This podcast is a 100% listener-supported audio ministry of relearn.org. Visit relearn.org for a library of theological resources, articles, podcasts, and videos to strengthen your biblical literacy and support your study of God's Word. For those interested in supporting our ministry, you can make a tax-deductible donation at relearn.org forward slash donate. Again, my name is Dale Partridge, and we're excited to have you back next week for another episode of Real Christianity.